Welcome to The Rose Show. We are your hosts, Lawrence Britton and Jay Green. This is a podcast where we're going to be going into everything related to sport and performance. And we're also going to talk a bit about rowing. South Africa. It brings people together, it breaks Olympics. down barriers. Yeah, right. My passion Winning. to be the best. Being the best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, role South Africa. Passion. passion. Great. Passion. Fiction. Gold. Ultimate gold. Glory. Relentless training. Pain. Pain. <laughs> Everyone watches the Olympics, and it's easy to appreciate the level of skill of any athlete competing there, but it's hard to understand the journey each athlete has taken to get there just by watching their final performance. Today we're going to look behind the scenes and try and understand the years of work and dedication, the pain and the hardships an athlete has to endure to have a chance at standing on the greatest sporting stage in the world, and a chance for glory. Hello boys and girls, ladies and gents, thanks very much for tuning in, hope you enjoy. Today's guest is an incredible and inspiring woman. She is a world champion in the lightweight single skulls for 2017 and has eight other world rowing medals behind her name and is by far South Africa's most successful female rower, Kirsten McCann. This is one of our longest interviews and uh, we really got into the details behind Kirsten's training and racing to find out how she performs at the top of her sport. I really hope you enjoy this interview as much as Jake and I did. So go ahead and enjoy. Cool. Welcome to the, the show, Kirst. It's awesome to have you here. I know we've been trying to set this up for, for quite a while, but it's really cool to finally have a sit down and a chat. Um, let's get straight to the good stuff. How does it feel to be world champion? Well, firstly, thanks for having me. It's really cool to chat to you guys. Um, it seems like a bit of a distant memory <laughs> with the new season starting, but it's been pretty cool. I mean, I suppose all of us always, that's our end goal, is always to be a, a world champion and an Olympic champion. So it's great that I've seen the single, now I'm hunting down the world champion in the double. There we go. And has anything changed in your day-to-day life? Now that you're world champion? No, nothing. (laughs) Um, I think, yeah, I suppose, I didn't ever think it would. It's always nice to get back to just training and being normal. There was a little bit of publicity around the world championship status afterwards which is not my vibe so that was a bit tricky to do a bit of press <laughs> but having started the new year now everyone seems to have forgotten about it which is great it must be a bit of a nice world challenge I know it's not your it's not your, your thing but it's, it must be nice having that kind of attention for once because I mean rowing is, is not it's not a it's not a um, as important as a sport as cricket and rugby in this country at least so it must be nice getting some attention like that. So, I mean, the attention, yeah, I suppose I struggle a bit with that whole attention thing. So when you get back and there's a lot of fuss, I don't do so well with, like a, with that. I don't really like being the center of attention. But I think the main thing was that to get exposure for rowing. That's where, that's how I seem to get through it. Is as soon as someone said, if you do this interview, it's because rowing will get the the attention and the limelight, then I would agree to it. Um, I don't really like being the centre of attention, I don't know why. Um, so when I was on the podium at World Champs, it was really cool, but it was really difficult as well because I just like, I just wanted the gold and then just to <laughs> go be and yeah. just be a normal person, not be treated any differently or or anything. So I think um, it wa- it is hard, but the like you say, it was cool to get attention on rowing. For once, rowing got to get the attention. Oh, wow, that is, it is, it was such a cool, uh, cool race. So let's. Um, I'm sure everyone listening has 
watch the race and if they haven't really they must go and find it and yeah. watch it because it's such a cool race uh, talk us through it did it go exactly to plan or how'd it go so the race um yeah i mean it was pretty much exactly how how like roger and i had envisioned it and practiced it so it was really good but when we look back now even like chatting with Raj, it seems like i was a little bit too relaxed in the second 500 so i mean i know i'm pretty quick out the blocks but when i watch that video i look like i'm a little bit lagging on the first or the second stroke but you know and then i get up ahead and then settle into it and it's so strange because I remember so distinctly going through the second 500, like the first thousand I, I had to remind myself to be really patient because it's very easy and I mean pe like people would have seen it in our previous racing a lot and like uh, Rio and leading up to Rio that we, it's easy to burn yourself so hard in the first thousand and then kind of hang on. So we obviously I'd moved a lot away from doing that this past season and in the second 500, I remember being so relaxed in the race that I heard a noise and I looked up and there was a plane flying over. And then I was like, "No way!" I was like, no, "This is this is so weird." But I was so relaxed and I was so in my rhythm. But then, I mean, going through the 800, I realized I think it was the Swiss and the Swedish girl were up on me. And I mean, I thought I went through the thousand fourth, and I thought to myself, "I really need to go with these girls now, otherwise." I'm going to get left behind and there's going to be too much to make up. But I think that, that confidence comes from from the racing early in the season. Like you, you know your race plan really well. So then you're like, you like learn that you can actually pace yourself better. It doesn't matter what the other crews are doing so much in the, in the second 500 or second quarter of the race. And then you know that you're going to have a good second. I think a lot of crews, you see that like sort of trend of like mm -hmm. as they start to perform better then they don't have to like go out to hard and else is going out harder to chase them almost. Yes, that's exactly it. So, I mean, that it was, it was such a cool sensation because I knew like I was well within myself and I had a lot, but I knew through the thousand, I really had to move with those goals. I did um, because I didn't want to leave it all to a big sprint, which I mean, I did have a big sprint in me, but not like four not lanes. rely on the sprints. Yeah, not yeah. rely on the sprints. So still be in the pack there. So it was so I realised I mean I, I knew the dash girl had gone out ahead and I thought it was I couldn't she wasn't my worry at that stage. It was more the Swiss and the Swedish girl who were I needed to stay within there. And then when I I mean I just had a confidence when I took I think I moved through them just after the thousand. I had a, a bit of a confidence, okay, they call like I know that they can still sprint, but I was I felt like they were kind of yeah. They they spent sort of they, they, they spend their cookies and yes. you sort of taking them off. As but you then go. I I saw the American girl and I thought this chick I know has a beast sprint. So I see it like Lucerne, <laughs> and I just had like this feeling she was going to come with the fury. So I thought I need to watch this American chick. I got to keep watching, and I was like, you got to go now. And then. The plan was always, I think the cool thing was the plan was always to move at a certain point um, in the second thousand and it was irrespective. So, I mean, I think, I don't know, I think as athletes we only do, sometimes we only do what's necessary just to win and I had moved away from that to not be defending titles but to have more of an attacking approach. So. 
like there was a point in the first, the second thousand where I was like, you have to move now, and it became. I think I trained so hard and worked so hard with Roger, um, in the sprint that, so seven hundred and fifty meters. I think it was eight hundred meters. I was just going to move irrespective of where I was mm. and it didn't matter who was ahead of me, who was behind me and I was going to keep stepping and I think I was in really good physical condition that like I'd experienced pieces where I could step each like 250 and it was just about that and I think you guys said to me after the race you guys were you I was well clear by like 200 to go but I was still going for it and yeah. still sprinting more so it was more just executing exactly not just okay, cool, I'm ahead, I'm going to take yeah. it down now. Because I think it's also nice to just be able to finish and say, yeah, you put your best race out there. That, yes. that, that is what it is. Yeah, and I think the thing is, is not, yeah, like you said, put it out there and just to have no unfinished business after that race. So if for some reason I had ended silver, I'd raced the best race I yes. possibly could have. And I, but I do remember in the last 100, by the 100 meters, I was like, right, this race can end up. I would like to be a world champion. Sure. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, I just have to get through 100 more meters. <laughs> so, but I think the biggest thing also was, um, I think crossing that line, someone was actually asking me the other day, like, how did, what do you feel after it? So I was like, actually, I was just looking for Roger at the finish line. And someone said, you look like you were looking for something. So I, I was, I was looking for Roger because I thought, he was the one, straight after Rio, after the massive disappointment, he had said to me, we're going to spend the year on the single and we're going to see if we can make you a world champion. I believe you can. And I mean, my confidence was so low then that I was like, this guy really has faith in me. And I thought, well, at least someone believes in me because yeah, really I don't. Cool. That is really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. So that's where, that's why I just felt that race, besides obviously personal goals, like it was in a sense, his goal, because he was the one that said straight after fifth place at the Games, I believe you can be a world champion. So, so that's, that's cool. like, yeah. that was really cool. And so um, that's mainly why I'm, uh, at the end of the race, I'm just looking <laughs> and thumbs up to Roger yeah. at the end. So deconstructing that race a little bit, we'll, we'll go back a couple of years to to your, your beginnings in the sport. Um, we, we both know, and could you elaborate on um, your family being sport crazy and um, how did you eventually get into ro rowing in South Africa? Yeah, so I mean, my sport, my family is crazy about sports. I mean, really, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, my dad was really, really sporty and my mum loves sport and she was also sporty at school, but not quite to the extent my dad was. And um, I suppose, I don't know, we always just grew up with sport around us. Like, that's what we did from the time like I think I was four I've done every sport possible couldn't be busy enough and then I suppose I was always convinced I was going to be a swimmer because I love water and um, then my brothers were rowing and I thought to myself well actually I went into one of the rowing camps and they put me in the skull and I don't know I can't even remember why but I just loved it straight away it was just so cool maybe a combination of the the um, water, being on out on the water, but also a water sport, but it was so peaceful. And I mean, it's hard to even say, like, how I felt to put about the it. feelings into yeah, words. But it's so cool. And often when we do steady rows, like this morning or even on camps, it reminds me of how much I love rowing. And why you do it. Yeah, it's just like, 
peaceful and but then yesterday like in pieces and then i realized oh my gosh yeah because like rowing has got, got this like crazy two sides like on the one side it's like super peaceful and yes. calm and connected yeah. and then on the other side it's like complete chaos and very intense when, you, yes. when you're pushing yourself so hard and like i often think to myself like when we're doing the ridiculous pieces like i think what is it that like, keeps me going when the pain is like overriding everything and then like even in yesterday like you're doing pieces at race pace and then suddenly you're like no i want more and what possesses me to think i want more when i'm like hurting in every possible part of my body so it's quite interesting i, I still think and so many times after the world champs people said like what is it about the love of rowing like and I'm just like, I can't even describe it anymore. It's just there. No. I suppose it just, I feel, I know after, like, after a training camp like the C2, and I'm like, oh, I love the sport. Then I'm like, okay, I know I'm still doing the thing I love. But anyway, back to the grounding from family. My brothers wrote, and, um, and then I, I suppose I just really enjoyed it. But they also, then we had this thing in the family. All three of them had won an SA Champs gold. And then I was like, oh my word. Maybe such a loser if I'm the only one in the family that doesn't have an SA Chance goal. And so that was a, an end goal. But it wasn't more, it wasn't like competing against each other ever. It was more like, you know, that's a stand and then we're supporting each other. Yeah. So yeah. they never ever made me feel like I was an underachiever if I didn't get the gold. It was more just motivation. And, um, I also remember being on holiday and I think it was the end of grade 8 so when you're about 14 and my mom's friend was staying with us and she said she made a comment sure Kirst's dad is quite like pushy but he's not pushy it was because he said to me are you going to go and train and that sounds ridiculous but it's not it was because he knew what my goals were and I had asked them to ring the ergo on holiday and it was more just a gentle reminder of you know, this is, it was more just the choice. You don't have to, but then don't be upset if you don't win or you don't make yes. the crew. Mm. So it, he's not pushy at all. It was just, it's more support. Yeah. It's more reminding you of your goal. I mean, when you're 14, it's easy to just sleep in or, or to not train or not go for a run. So it was more just him supporting me and reminding me of achieving my goals. But then even now, like, I mean, I just think, like, I mean, I know if I don't, tra like, train for one now, I just get grumpy. And then everyone's like, just go and do something. <laughs> Someone makes his eyes grumpy. Yeah, we grumpy. know that you're a crazy <laughs> trainer. And I think we'll get into the, the training yeah, in a bit. Because yes. there's something I want to I ask you about in the, the training side. But you're still being uh, into school days. I mean, your, your rowing career took off like a rocket. I mean, you... You went straight juniors, you did quite well, and then you went straight to the Olympics pretty much. I think you, you're you the youngest uh, Olymp Olympic rower that, for South Africa. Yeah. So, I mean, at the Beijing Olympics, I was the youngest rower there. And, uh, I mean, it was actually, it was such a cool experience, but also awful to be rowing in the sea final. But I also feel that it was really good because of... Um, it gave me an idea of what the standard was like because I actually was saying to one of the younger guys that's just joined the squad now, I was just saying to him early in the week, we didn't have guys, like we didn't have the older crowd. So there was the guys, like Sean had Ramon and Don to guide 
him and set the standard. But there were no girls because women's rowing was still developing then. So there was no standard. So by me going there, it gave me an indication of how incredible these lightweight women are and the standard. So then, although it was, it wasn't demotivating for me, but rather motivating and just made me realize it was a serious wake up call as to what the standard was and what I needed to do to be that, to be one of the top lightweight women. And then um, after Beijing, you didn't row professionally for the next year. Um, did, was this a planned break or was it um, as a result of some, something else? Well, I think, you know, there was also quite a lot of bitchiness in the setup. Like there was some girls that were quite bitchy and I was just, I think I was just tired. Like I didn't want to be involved in that, in like the bitchy side of it. But also the thing is that I tried my hand at, at one university course and I didn't enjoy it. I had my heart set on doing a science degree and the science degree was not compatible with the full-on training. Yeah. So I wanted to go and pursue the science degree. So it was definitely a conscious thought, but I did at some stages think that's me, I'm done rowing. But I mean, literally two months later, I was back on the river wanting to row again. But I committed to getting at least like a first year full-time like done. And as it is, I carried on full-time. I just couldn't be part of the squad. And it, like I had to train on my own, which is really difficult. But in that, I'm I'm happy. But I mean, you do quite well. <laughs> yeah, no, I seem to not struggle with that. But it was cool because I got my science degree, yeah. and now I feel settled. Now I feel like I can work forever. So you did your your studies there quite seriously, but you also uh, tried a bit of coaching, and I think you ended up as head coach of St Andrews Schools High. And yes. did that uh, did that give you like different insights being a coach for and like managing from like seeing rowing from a different side? Did it, did it give you different insights into the sport? Definitely. So it made me realize that coaching isn't my thing, <laughs> but managing the girls was. So to make life for coaches and the girls um, as easy as possible to make to allow them to perform was what I really oh, okay. enjoyed. So I liked managing the coaches and like helping out with ideas on training programs, but also like on tours or during the week, making sure that boats, so I mean, it was like a standard joke because we didn't have anyone fixing boats or anything. So I would fix the boats. Like I just taught myself to fix boats and rig. And as long as I could make, provide a lot of support for the coaches and the girls to make their rowing experience as enjoyable and as successful as possible. That's the side I really enjoyed. And so managing the coaches and the girls also was really cool. What I did realize though, um, when I was coaching, before I had decided to carry on with serious rowing, was that I hated the fact of putting girls out on the water and I couldn't go and control the outcome <laughs> of the race, that yeah. they had to control it. Yes, I think so, that's a really tough part of, of a coach, is not yeah. is the actual race must be, you must, they must want you to just hope that your athletes are well prepared and they can yeah. control it well. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed the managing side and I remember just being on tours trying to, as long as, I mean, I would do anything that the, the girls and the coaches, and even I remember, supporting my coaches to the death of me of parents having a full go of me but as long as they could do their job as best possible then i was happy well then 
you went from a coach back into the rowing seat, back into being an athlete. And since since then, you've um, you've gotten about nine medals in your at all rowing events throughout your career. Not about you got nine. She's got, <laughs> got nine medals. It's, yeah, I think it's really impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think, but I think you know the stamina of the team's pretty high. So you come in and like you see guys winning Olympic game medals, going to the Olympics. Then I mean, even like Laurie, you and John winning at under twenty threes. I mean, it made my bronze yacht was cool, but I wanted the gold <laughs> like you guys had it. So you know, it's it's healthy motivation and competition within the team. So I think it's it just it almost comes naturally in a team like ours where. There's people achieving you, so you want to work harder, train harder, strive to be just like your teammates. And just before the game, some one of the world rowing, I did an interview with world rowing, and they said to me, do you realize that you've meddled at every world rowing event that you've entered through yeah. 2015 and 2016? And I said to him, well, actually, no, I haven't really realized that. Thanks for telling me that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Because it wasn't like a conscious, oh, look at me kind of thing, but it was more just, well... I want to win, so yeah. so it's more like a natural progression. So I mean, yeah, I still have some serious unfinished business on the lightweight women's double, though. Of course. Because <laughs> that is my least successful boat class so far, and I mean, it and is it's the most successful. important one. It's yes. So, okay, so all of these results, behind all these results, there's obviously massive training. So let's let's talk a bit about the training that gets the results. Um, in our team, I think it's safe to say that you're the most consistent yeah, person at training uh, out of the whole team. And is that something that you really have to work towards? Or is it something that like just sort of comes naturally, like not getting injured or not getting sick that often and just making sure that day in, day out, you can put out consistent performances? So I must say, I think since a junior, like I don't touch wood, don't get sick very often. And I don't get injured very easily. And I mean, there's been, I remember so clearly as an under 23 or a junior athlete wanting to be like, waking up and just be like, can't I just be sick today? Can't I just have something wrong? I'm tired. But I mean, that's a bit weird. But it's because I can go, I just go day in, day out, just training. And But training comes very naturally. But also, I think I learned the hard way is that I think there were, there was a few times where I've raced and I've just been a bit lucky on performances and then like I'm talking about under 23s more in 20 like I didn't I did I did what I could I trained as hard as I could being a head coach and racing and um, studying full-time so I mean I did what I could do but I also you know I realized then I needed to do more so I wouldn't, I'd never miss training, but I realized I had to do more. So training does come pretty naturally for me, but I had to work hard at, you know, it's more, it was identifying weaknesses. So, I mean, I love to race. So race pieces, short pieces are very like natural to me, but the long steady used to be very unnatural to me. So to, like then I, I worked really hard on that coming out of under 23s into like more university champs and that working on that but training for me is very natural i mean i think i just train every day yeah i mean and so on that because that's what i wanted to, to bring up earlier and you said like how you can't miss a tra- yeah. you can't miss a day of training yeah. you 
did a session the day after you will, you will change gold. <laughs> I mean, that is... What on earth made you do that? In the heat. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's where... So, that is a very big plus, but can also be a very big negative. So, I mean, after World Champs, I was just like, well, I don't want to, like, wake up. I, like, it's so natural for me to do exercise every day. So, I'll, if I wasn't rowing that day, I was going to go run. And I thought, well, there's still the girls getting on to race their lightweight A final, double A final today. I need to make sure that I've done a session so that it settles my my anxiety that now I need to go after this lightweight woman's double um, final or boat or whatever. So, I mean, it's it's just easy for me. If I wasn't rowing that morning, I would have been running. And I also wanted to go out onto that course and feel no pressure. I mean, when you're racing on there, every, like, every little bit of wash or, yes, my legs are a little bit tired today and it's a bit concerning. I wanted to go out and row and just thug it along and just have no anxiety or nerves on that course, which was so cool. I just pulled hard that day. I mean, you pull hard in racing, but in training, I just got back into not being worried about how my leg feels, is tired, like, would it be a bit easier in this yeah. day? So that was what it is. But my training has gotten me my, I suppose, I don't know if you could call it a bit of an obsession with training, has gotten into me a little bit of trouble because I often like, sometimes I remember so clearly in May, it was an off day and I asked Roger, I said to him, can I please train on this day because it's going to make me a better athlete. And he agreed and it came to bite me later on because I was just finished about a few weeks later yeah. and he's like yeah. from now on so now he has to be very strict with me on off days he often says <laughs> no training the most exercise you can do is walk your dogs and, uh, he has to yeah I have to. <laughs> that's a good problem to have <laughs> yes but uh, yeah it is a good problem to have but um, I think yeah it's made me I've had to learn the hard way and um, you know everyone kind of comes up with ideas that they think makes them stronger than than their competitors. What philosophies do you have that you think gives you success and makes you better than the person you line up next to you on race day? So, um, I mean, as, so firstly, I really believe in a happy athlete as a fast athlete. I know that when I'm happy, I'm fast. I mean, obviously, there's days when I'm not happy, <laughs> but I'm talking about the general picture. If I, I find when when there's a bit of like you know outside pressure or you know some outside emotional pressure or whatever then you feel a bit more stressed and then I'm not as fast so that's one big thing it's a happy athlete it's a fast athlete I really live by that but um, I also must say I, maybe I shouldn't be disclosing this on the show but I often like think to myself I'm a very private person don't worry no one's listening <laughs> <laughs> and like obviously I'm friends with my teammates but then, like, at World Rowing events, like, I see the, the competitors all chatting socially and, like, especially at weigh-ins. And I'm like, I do not want to talk to these chicks. I'll talk to my partner, who, like, if I'm in a crew boat. But other than that, I don't want to talk to you. I want to beat you. I'll talk to you after I've raced you. But Only about so, yeah, maybe that's also a, bit of, um, a little bit of a crazy thing. But, um, yeah, I just, I suppose I'm just, yeah fiercely competitive and I don't like to give away secrets so that's why I think because I'm private so like some certain things I keep very close to me so that I 
computers can't capitalize. And I also believe in not showing any weakness, which is not always great. Okay, so yes, that's that's quite intense, I must say. So now on that giving uh, giving not giving any secrets, will you let us know what your what your PB on the two K is? Oh my gosh! So <laughs> yeah, I will because I suppose as a may I mean. I'm not a world champion this year, but last year I was a world champion and people crashed me on the ergo if it was other countries. But currently I'm on a 709.0. So that's my PB on a 2K. Um, that's obviously also a big thing is under weight. So, I mean, that's at 58 and a half. Yeah. So that's a big one. That's pretty impressive, I yeah. think. I think so, a lot of people... And an altitude of 1,500 yeah. meters. Yeah, impressive. Um, we don't get the fortunate thing of racing at sea level. <laughs> or yeah, at sea level. at sea level. I think it's a big shock to people that come up. After one of the most successful years for women's rowing, where we brought home medals at every level of the sport, yet at a national level, at a senior level, we have a relatively small group of women. Is the focus um, shifting to smaller boat classes, would you say? Um, yeah, I think just based on the fact we don't have many girls, I think that we are in the smaller boat classes. I mean, for lightweight women, it's obvious we have to be skull and then that's the only one for us. And then, I mean, under 23s, they're not obviously skull is a little bit easier because we limit our numbers. But I mean, I think that we really successful in the smaller boats. And I think, but if you look at our current under 23 heavyweight women, I mean, I don't know what they like in terms of times they're pulling, but I thought. Like we've got Taylor May in in Michigan. I mean, sorry, yeah, Michigan. Paige at Michigan. I think Jay Scumby is going to Michigan. Then there's possibility of this Alex Savannah Blanche and Megan Hancock. And I mean, we're not really sure what she's doing with weight class, but the other girls are all um, heavyweight women. Which I mean, I would imagine there's a possibility for like an under twenty three four or something. Now that's Olympic boat class. Which is pretty exciting. I mean, I don't know what the coaches' plans are, but there's definitely numbers coming up that yeah. we can now no longer. It's not just about a double or a pair. There are some yeah. other numbers coming up that maybe for sure. It's exciting times as well, I think. And yeah. then, okay, so you you brushed on a lot of the goals going to the states. So I mean, a lot of the South African goals finish rowing here and then head off to the states. I mean, do you think that is a, is a good move? And like, what advice would you give someone a, a, a school goal finishing and just what like what advice? To go forward with the right so i mean I, I don't think it's a bad thing to go to the states in the sense of um as long as you you're doing good training obviously we want to keep them in south africa but it's also really difficult i think with when you're coming out of school and then wanting to do a degree and get all the training in i think that's where the tricky thing is and that's where the american bodies make it a bit easier there's they structure the varsity around the training which is um, really cool. But I mean, I think what was really promising was Taylor May coming back after her first year in Michigan. And though she was a bit below the standard, I mean, she was finishing behind me um, in the oak pieces. She spent two and a half months training with us and she was absolutely thumping me at the end. Mm. Um, so which is really cool. So I think the best thing is, it's hard to say, should they go overseas, shouldn't they? I mean, obviously, we want them to stay. I think for lightweights, I personally believe you have to stay because their programs don't accommodate lightweights and sculling. 
but I think that if they are wanting to go overseas, they have to keep up a good relationship with our coaches and then commit to coming back in May and training with the squad and committing fully like Taylor May did yeah. in 2017. That was really good and she, I mean, she really wowed all of us. I mean, I think as someone training alongside her, she never moaned once about any training that she did. She did every single session. She really, I mean, it was damn impressive to see how she handled the training and how she improved. So that was really cool. I think also the juniors, they come out of, I mean, it's so intense they, if they go to junior worlds, they finish in August, or even if they don't make junior worlds, but they still really want to make it after school in terms of rowing. They, I think it's hard because they go into yeah. the trek and then they come in in January and they're so far behind and they give up hope and then they don't row. And Whereas it takes I so think, long as well. Yes, and I just think, the thing is, is that, so I won my first world champs at the age of 29. Mm. Like, I think it puts a lot, of, a lot yeah, of it in perspective. I think it just makes you realize that actually there's no time frame on this. You've got to commit that rowing is a long-term sport. It's not like, I don't know, I think often say swimming, you, you're really young when you yeah. start achieving and on a senior level. Whereas I think with rowing, you, com you have to realize that it's a long-term game. And I mean, some guys, I mean, I know one of the Aussie guys in that um, four, he got an Olymp his first Olympic medal, which was a silver in London, at the age of what, I think about 35. Yeah, it's, so it's who was who won a medal of thirty five? It was James Chapman in the really? Aussie light, uh, Aussie men's four. Yeah. Oh, so understand. I mean, the thing so is, talking is that so talking, uh, sorry, I don't mean to to interrupt there, but so talking about those those future plans and stuff, and then going back to your rowing. Obviously, the goal is Tokyo twenty twenty Olympics, um, but as we discussed, we only there's only the women's lightweight double. So when do you see Raj starting to shift the focus from you being in the single to trying to to form a double? I'd, I'm not really sure, but I would imagine there'll be some focus to put a double together this year. But I think I feel so confident in what Roger does that I feel so relaxed that I'm in the skull now. When he decides to put me in a double, I'll be happy to row in the double. And until then, I feel quite relaxed and free. Like I don't feel yeah. Like so so just pressure. yeah. There's no it, just I taking the pressure of giving Raj the trust to to, to make the yes. decisions. and I feel happy that I don't have to make those decisions. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, we've seen. I mean, they're the biggest competitors, but we've seen what the Dutch lightweight women do. They didn't feel the double in 2013 or 14. 2015, their double didn't go so well, despite having two excellent athletes and the Olympic gold medalist. So I think the thing is, is that often there's a misconception that we need to be flogging the double yeah. right from the end of the Olympic cycle to the new Olympic, to the, to the next Olympics. Whereas I feel quite relaxed because I think that the co Raj has enough knowledge when to do it and they've proved that you don't have to spend infinite yeah. amounts of time in the double. I think your, your success in the, the single definitely feed into the double when you do jump back in. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool. I think it's also really good that, um, I mean, there's also Nikita in the picture now. I mean, she's really Yeah, she's really strong, strong on the ergo. Um, but I think, like, on the water at the moment, like, Nicole and I are fighting it out. There's nothing quite like having some yeah, girls' competition, like, really going for it every day on the water. So that's really good. And so I think that's just going to make the double faster in the end. Yeah, so cool. That's good.
So just to, to finish up, we've got some quick fire questions. You don't need to have, give us long answers, no. but uh, yeah, I'll take it away, Jackie. So to start with, if you could race any boat class of the games, what would it be? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that is so that. hard. Um, are we talking like Olympic gold medal standard? Any, no, yeah, any no, class. Like, so like you, could, you could race a Cox Bay or something. Yeah. Which, which one that would you like? Do? I love the double. You love the double. Yeah, so the double my fit. Um, well, that's quite nice. That that's, yes. the, that's the class that yes. there is. No, I think the double is it. So that's quite cool. Okay. And if you could select a four, who would your other three mates be? Your other three. Other th anyone you can pick. Anyone doesn't have to be Rose. In terms of also like people I know personally. No, no. So you no, could you say like if you want to row like your dream four. If you want to row with Muhammad Ali <laughs> in your dream four, that could be one of them. I think I would definitely take one of my brothers, Nick. He is. I mean, I people think I'm a bit mental with training. No, he's fast. Another I know you can level. run really quick. And he's tough. Like I, I have yet to meet a tougher athlete than that guy. So Nick, my brother, would definitely be in there. And then I'm left with two more. I think I'd probably pick. There's a lightweight that I've always been absolutely. I just thought she was the best lightweight rower that. And although she doesn't have an Olympic gold, it's that Alexander Tsovu from Greece. Yeah. I thought she was absolutely incredible with um, her rowing. So this is quite interesting because you've got a bunch of scholars yeah. at the moment. <laughs> and the last person... It can be a quad though. Or a quad, quad, yeah. Quad, no, yeah, okay, quad. so a quad. Then I think I'd go, well, Kim Brennan. Okay, yeah, so good well pick. Like, yeah, I mean, I just think she... I remember watching her at the 2015 World Champs, they were on the same bus as us, and she was so feminine, but such a thag on the water. Yeah, yeah you could say And I think, yeah, really inspirational. But I mean, I, I could put an eight on Octagon. Yeah, it's nice. Now that I start thinking about the girls in rowing and even our time rowing, yeah. yeah. No, you could go on for days, probably. Um, Okay, so to, uh, what is your what is your favorite rowing race and like a race that you find yourself watching like over and over again? I mean, the Lightning means four in London. I mean, that is pretty That's a good phenomenal. Um, your guys' pairs race at the Rio Games that was also that's something I really really enjoyed race uh, watching. Men's pair in Sydney. That's pretty inspirational. That's the, that's the, the French, French race. That's, yeah. the, that's the best race. I yeah, think, that, that is. That is Although this like year's pay race, um, like 2017's pay oh, race, yes, also yeah. comes pretty close to that one. Yes. That one is just, the French are just, if, you have, if you're listening and watch that race, yeah. you'll link it to 2000. It's the Sydney Olympics. It is the, the best race you can possibly watch. It is amazing. No, cool. Then, then last, our last quick buy question is, if you had to choose a different sport to go to the Olympics, in which would it be and why diving <laughs> i would like to be an olympic gold medalist diver i, I think it is the most epic sport to watch ever i wish i could be a diver <laughs> i would be a diver absolutely i think i just love watching and i think it's it's the precision and you can see they have to work pretty hard because i mean they don't get to go and row 200 k's a week to like so they yeah. obviously do some form of training to keep themselves slim and trim and but um, it's like one, but it's it, one movement. Yeah, it, and it's just like the precision that you have to get. I mean, I, I, at at the Olympics, at when they have a world chance, I just sit and watch it for hours. 
And I just, nice. and I even feel like I'm starting to become quite good at critiquing. <laughs> you so, could be a yeah. judge, maybe, maybe <laughs> after you've done the ring, you could go and be a judge. Yeah, at, uh, I'm going to be Olympic a wannabe diver. <laughs> Lawrence, what sport, what sport would you take? What sport would I take? Oh, I don't know. I think I would do track cycling. I think I would be the right build for it. Back. And uh, and I always dig cycling as well. Yeah. I'm always a big fan. So that's what I would do. And you, Jakey? I think I would do sevens rugby. Sevens oh, rugby? Oh, that's very yeah. cool. Oh, very yeah. cool. Yeah, so good, good choices. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Okay, well, thanks so much, Chris, for yeah. joining us. And yeah, uh, yeah really, I think it's going to turn out really well. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Cool. Tops. Hey, it's Lawrence and Jake again. Uh, thanks very much for tuning into The Row Show. Remember to send us any ideas that you have on the show, any questions. Uh, you can leave your comments below or you can email us at theroshowsa at gmail.com. So just remember it's theroshow with sa at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find all the links to any guests or any notes uh, on the show below. And yeah, feel free to leave the comments there. Until next time, we're out. Cheers. Sweet. <laughs>